Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Shelley, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Shelley, I'm curious. Have you ever made what I would call a rookie mistake? Never, Grant. I'm perfect. <laughs> Damn straight. And I'm curious. Let's hypothetically say that you've made a rookie mistake. Just hypothetically deal with it. Okay, we can, we can pretend. I can, I, can, I can work through this exercise. All right, good, 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 good. Are you someone that would accept and admit that you've made a mistake or are you someone that would kind of sweep it under the rug or just like reframe it so that it felt like you never made a mistake? No, I'd admit it. I would admit it. Ah, you're a better man than I am. So this is me being Charlie, admitting my faults. So usually before we have a podcast recording, I will smash two cups of coffee over the two hours leading up to it to make sure I am caffeinated Grant. However, this morning, that is not what has happened. This is pre-caffeinated Grant, where he is waiting for a shot of espresso and almost a long black to get into his veins. Do you know what? Hold, hold it right there. You are absolutely a bit flat. It's like the intro is slow and long. See? This is the problem. <laughs> this is it. I need more caffeine in my life. Can you do the intro for me? Yeah, I got this covered. Ready? I'll imitate you. Ready? Get on the email list. Go to this URL. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Do you actually know? Do you actually know what the URL is? That's not the topic question what, I want to answer right now. You've been listening. <laughs> I may or may not. I hope you know what the email list URL is. <laughs> so, for everyone who's listening, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash news that I put in your name and email and subscribe. What do you do? Just black out when I do an intro? Like this is outrageous. Let's cue disclaimer. I'm offended. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, welcome to the podcast, Decaffeinated Grant. It's good to see you taking another sip there. This is going to be a fun episode. One I've been looking forward to is the review of 2023. It has been a interesting year to say the least. And I'm a, a little bit excited because you and I are about to sit down in the coming week and talk about our 2024 goals, which is awesome, right? I think it's really special to have someone in your life that you can go to with your ambitions where, and essentially hold each other accountable be each other's support and have a bit of camaraderie along the way. And challenge each other. Oh, yeah, I'm going to challenge the shit out of you. If you play too small, um, I want some sort of like stick on the table, right? So we should sit across from each other and then you say a goal and if it's too small, the person picks it up and just ah, gives them a little little hit. <laughs> and like you can grab it for me as well, right? as well. It's both ways. Now, we need a foghorn. This is a boring <laughs> So real offensive. I feel like this type of accountability in life has a real unique power, I will say. And I, I do hope everyone else in the world doesn't try and do this in a silo. It can be very difficult at times to hold yourself accountable or to think big enough or, or to be challenged in the right way. But maybe we do another podcast episode just on that. We're going to do the review today. All right. So straight out of the gate. We've uh, prepared some questions, although we've answered these individually, so hopefully there's not too much overlap, but we'll find out on the episode. If you had to give 2023 a score out of 10, 
and you're not allowed to use the number seven and you're not allowed to use any decimal points, how would you score 2023? Can I give explanations or it's just... I want the score first, just the score. <laughs> you always have to like give me bumpers. This is outrageous. I, did, I would give it nine out of ten. It's a strong score. It's a strong score. Now, I will come back around for an um, explanation because I do have a question on that one. But I also gave the year a nine. Now, I knew that was going to come up. I could see it on the sheet that we both had nines, hence the pre-frame on copying each other. <laughs> All right. So uh, what I want to ask you, what would have had to have happened to give the year a 10? Like, Why was there a deduction? Because I didn't beat you. At what? <laughs> Everything. No, there was... <laughs> No, the only reason it didn't get a 10 is there were some things I had in my goals for 2023 around my health that uh, although I smoked my golf goal, I'm like, there were some other things that I wanted to be health health related that I didn't and it brought it down. It's a very reasonable deduction. I'd like you to like categorize this and deduct it based on an outcome of the goals, right? Because you exceeded in other areas that would have given you a fair reason to bump up, and I suspect that's so. But um, it's a very reasonable outcome. I like the deduction there. What about you? What would have made yours a 10? I'll just have to admit it, straight out of the gate. There was a portion of this year where I don't like how I played it. I think there was a moment of, I don't want to say weakness or confusion, but there are definitely words you could use where I became unclear on what I was trying to do I got a little bit, which I don't want to spoil the point uh, later in the episode, but I kind of will, where I became a little bit defensive. There was things happening in my world where I perceived that perhaps something was going to go wrong, and I don't like how I showed up for that portion of the year. If I had stuck to my plan and stuck to, I suppose we'll call it better, what you call it, governance, like had the right people around me instead of doing that, I would have given it a 10. Now, it wasn't a massive off-course moment or anything like that, but we a year's a long time. And when there's a lot of things going on, you know, whether it's family, whether it's health, like there are these moments where we don't act our best. But to go a year where I do show up my best the whole time, that's what it would take to get us 10. Gene, I'm surprised you didn't give yourself a six. Yeah, no, I really talked that down, right? It gives it a nine and then just like berates it. <laughs> it's just like shit, man. I'm so... Should we pick it back Did up you even year in 2023? Well, do you not find you your harshest critic at times? Too right. Too right. That's right. <laughs> but, oh no, hang on. You're pretty harsh critic and then me. I love that. Let's move into the next bit because this, this is important. I'll unpack that a little bit later. I'd love to get into some wins though. Let's pick this episode back up. If you look across the year, what are the biggest wins been for you? You can't dance past the fact that you and I built an ad agency from scratch that didn't exist at the start of the year to doing seven figures a year in revenue. Over. That is something that people build up to over a very long period of time. Uh, And it was towards the start of the year, you and I looked at what is going to be the tailwind in business for opportunities. And it was the decision around, well, everybody's going to desperately need good quality leads at a good price because they're all going to be feeling the pain. And we just stood in front of the tailwind and then just over-delivered. Do you, know, do you know what I really have to give you credit for on that one? You called you shot. You said it to me at the start of the year. You built a really good thesis on why you felt ad agency was the better move for us this year and then executed it. 
like really well. I think a lot of people have like like good ideas or they'll call something, but when it comes to the execution of it, don't back it up. And to do that across a year, I'll I'll commend you on. I think that's a sensational thing to do, and I'm expecting it every year now. Just to be clear, <laughs> it's just, it's just a, I can't go back at all. <laughs> so, but I'm like, dude, that's the. It's so funny because it wasn't even on the plan of 2023, and it's just that was such a big win. It smoked expectations out of the waters. It's been phenomenal. I'm curious, what about you? All right, now these aren't in any order. I've got I've got a few here, and I'll do one, and then we'll go back to you. But I would have to say that one of the biggest year, uh, wins for my year has actually been moving to Melbourne, like in the CBD. And I'll, I'll extend a little bit along that. And you say, well, why is that such a win? Right environment. I mentioned before that uh, one of the things that happened this year was like I was, I don't want to say a little bit of a funk, but it kind of, that's what I'll call it. The thing that got me out of that funk, though, was getting into the right environment. So rather than having a more pessimistic view on things that were happening around me at that point, getting to Melbourne, right environment, people around me are just winning. Who I'm spending time with are winners who are seeing the better things. I'm watching them win. Um, It lit me up. It turned on uh, a part of me that I'd almost forgotten about. And uh, I think the rest of the year's results past that would uh, indicate it. And you can see it on our P&L and balance sheet, right? Business started doing phenomenally better when I put myself into the right environment. Now, that's not to say I did poorly across the uh, rest of the year. I don't want to frame that at all. And I feel like I might have been a bit of a downer on that intro. That there was a, let's call it a month period where I was like not thrilled with how I performed. The environment was the thing to kick it out. Really was. How in- I would concur. The, the way that you have showed up since like moving into the city has been insane. Like, you're out consistently at dinners. You're out meeting people consistently. Like you are maximizing the use. But I, I will also say, like there is a happiness and an abundance in your thinking. Like it's just, it's just different. Like it's almost like a, a semi unquantifiable value add. Like you can see it on a PNL. I agree. That's definitely quantifiable. It's definitely quantifiable. But I would actually argue that the other side of Charlie that I see, uh, it's like, dude, it's like four x better. Like you, just the conversation, the way that you communicate, the the vibe, the energy, the th- the thinking, just all of these other elements is just a huge unlocker. So I would agree. I, that is massive for not just you, but also the family too. I think this is an underutilized strategy for many entrepreneurs. It really is. I think moving and getting into the right uh, place could be the difference in you succeeding or not. I really do. But I don't want to harp on about this one too much. Um, I've, we've discussed it in other other episodes. Give me another win, Grant. All right. This is my, I, only, I put two down, so this is my second one. So uh, at the start of the year, I had a goal for the amount of property investment that I want to buy. And I am pleased to announce that I smoked it, Charlie. I, I got to over half a million dollars higher than I expected. And you want know to know the best part about it? The original goal that I set, I didn't actually think that I'd be able to achieve it. Like I thought it was like a stretch goal. And I'm like, if I got like 70% of the way there, I'd be wrapped. <laughs> and then I didn't just hit it. I like actually exceeded it. So it was like one of the biggest, like that is one of those ones where, you know, when you do something really big and then you finish it and like the minute that it's done, you sit back and like your body just like, just goes into this relaxation mode. And it's just like, oh. <laughs> it's like you didn't realize just how hard you were pushing at it. 
that's what it was. Such a big win. This is where the surprise of my year is in what you're referencing right now. I really, at a point in this year with what was going on in the economy, the news cycle and interest rates, I thought it was going to be a tough year in investing. I really did. And I think anyone who's a business owner and seeing what's out there could have felt the same at times. Isn't it interesting that for both of us, it's been a year where wealth has actually done really well? It's a really interesting observation and I'd love you to unpack why you feel that is for us and then I'll I'll add on to the back. Yeah, so I'll go into the earlier point I made is like I had seen a few businesses around us collapse earlier in the year, which you know these people, I won't name them on the show. I think they're fantastic people and great business owners and they'll probably come back strong, but they made some mistakes. They did. And they, across the year, I watched a couple of businesses collapse and I was like, ooh, that's not normal. That shouldn't be happening. And there were repercussions of things like interest rates, wages going up dramatically, cost of acquisition going up substantially for these businesses and they just became unviable. And I'm looking at this and going, these aren't the worst business owners I know. These are some of the better ones. Some of the best. Yeah. And they've fallen into this circumstance, which means... What's happening in the ones that aren't as good? And that was the thing that kind of triggered the off of like, let's put the shields up, let's play defensive for me. And uh, that in turn is what I felt was going to lead to a poor year when it comes to wealth. Like signs are if businesses are collapsing, if uh, rates are like this, if all this stuff is happening, to make a positive out of it, I want to be more defensive and then be able to seize opportunities. That was a poor mindset in hindsight because when you look at the results of the year, and I would have to bring this up now, but like S&P 500 is up more than 10% for the year and will probably finish above that. NASDAQ is well above that. Like the Australian property market, I think, is going to finish with, I, I, I'll say nationally somewhere between 7 and 10%, it looks like. Like you shouldn't see that type of result in a, a, an economy that's dying, right? should be on a massive decline. So to look at that and go, on the back of getting the valuations on my properties, which I recently had done and I know you have too, and then looking at the types of properties you've been able to acquire and I, I'm like, what happened versus what I thought was going to happen? Way off. Absolutely way off. And hence why it was such a win because it was the realignment. To Imagine if we just stuck to what we originally thought at the start of the year and then just rode that through the entire year. Hence why it was such a big win because it was a it was a shift, a change, a redirect midway through the year. Well, one of the most powerful things you can change, Grant, your beliefs. Put put that on a quote card somewhere. Is that one of your wins? Well, I'll get into that because literally on my list, which I will put in there, when when I look at it and I'll I'll put it out there across uh, the investing in business, like I did over a mill this year in gains, and I'm like. In a defensive year, like, this is my point. It was a misalignment of what was reality. I, and I, I will say it's interesting when you've got something to lose that you see the world very differently versus when you've got nothing to lose and you can play more aggressively. But uh, some big lessons within that. But I would put that down as a win for both of us this year is like strong gear financially. Like we both progressed very well forward. I have to admit I kind of piggybacked your uh, – call on the ad agency do i get my best supporter like <laughs> you did you are winning support agent thank you very much <laughs> but you called it well and executed it well i'll uh, i'll throw it to you for an alley huh? yeah cheers i'll take that one all right so well i think we both did incredibly well this year and 
foots down for a big 2024 as well, it appears, which we'll talk about later on. Another win I really want to talk about in here, and this is kind of related to the agency one, but I, I am even more reminded, I'm going to give this guy a shout-out, Jimmy Halley. He's in my list of wins for 2023. Him coming on board and working with us at the agency. Right guy. I've, I think I've said that 100 times this year. Totally. He gets one of the, what is it, the Wolf of Wall Street, one of us, gift <laughs> animations, is that one of us? He's... I agree. I think that is such a good win. It's such an oversight. Well, I'll give you this here. It's like if I hit someone with my car, which I, I barely drive, so the likelihood of that happening is pretty low. Uh, but we'll, we'll, call, we'll call that and say that if something went really wrong in my life like that and I needed someone to come and bury a body, like I know I could call you, Grant, and uh, don't move too suddenly just in case people realise you may have buried a body, body with me somewhere. But Jimmy's one of those guys. He's one of us. He's in the fold. And I just think what a magic it is when you can find people like that and bring them into your business. Like what an amplifier and multiplier it is where in other times it's like we've had some disasters with hiring across this year as well. It's like they just don't have that effect. So huge win, Jimmy Alley. I concur with that. That's such a good call Um, and a great shout out. I don't even have any comments on the back of that. That is, I concur, I agree tenfold. All right, now I can see I've listed out too many points on this one, so I want to give some special mentions on just other wins that I think are really important. I won at home this year. This year was a year I put a lot into my parenting and relationship, like what goes on inside the house and what I want my family unit to be. Man, I almost give myself an 11 out of 10 on this one. It's gone far better than I expected. And I am reminded that what you water grows. So to get some good wins in the home, to have great relationships within your home, makes such a difference. And uh, one of the things I got from uh, Tom Bilyeu this year about, he talks about the necessity of the business owner to have a stable home, to have that environment to retreat to and grow from. And getting that this year in a really strong way has absolutely made a difference to business and just how I show up in the world in general. So I'd have to call that a huge win as well. And then one I'll just loop out for both of us here, golf. How could you not put golf as a win of the year? If there's a podcast where golf doesn't get mentioned, I'm disappointed. But it totally is. Oh, my gosh. That is – screw everything else. That's just the number one. Just ignore everything I previously said. I know this is probably going to run long now, but I really want to state this one of like why would golf be such a win um, and why would you even include it in this? I'm going to go through it. One of the interesting impacts and a mentor of both of ours, Jamin Fraser, kind of highlighted for us is like, you know, many people could draw the idea that if you play golf, let's say you play golf on a Monday after you record your podcast, hint, hint, kind of wearing a polo already. Let's say you do that. It's easy to say, well, you're going to go spend uh, three hours away from your business where you're not working. Your business would do better if you didn't play golf and you worked. It makes sense. You're putting three hours of effort more into business you're taking that away uh, or giving it to that for the result. But don't work like that. Like you and I go spend three hours, honestly, it's like we're eight-year-old children. It's ridiculous. It's one of the funnest experiences. Like I've come home from golf and my cheeks hurt because I'm laughing and smiling so much. Now, the interesting idea is like if you've just had this experience where you're laughing and smiling so much and that's the state you are in because of golf – when you get back from golf and you do business in that state or you do home from that state, do you get a different result? Like if you're showing up in a much better way because you have good things in your life, it's almost the knock-on effect to like, well, of course you close that next sale because you rocked up 
in a good state. Well, of course, something good happened because you rocked up in that state. And I think, have you ever had an experience where you've just been like in a shit mood and then things get worse? Yeah, and that, and it's really interesting because from a business perspective, like you can be in a in a shit mood or a funk or have something go wrong, and then you stay like that for the entire week. Like there, it's almost like the best way to get through it, it perceivably is by putting more hours in and sitting in front of the computer more and trying to like push harder. When in actual fact, the reset is the thing that actually will help provide better solutions, provide better insights and actually be the unlocker that you need. Hugely so. So that's like one part of it, right, is the whole idea of like knock-on effects. There's compounds in how you rock up. You rock up like a miserable fuck who's got, the world owes them something and you're a victim, your business will reflect that. You rock up grateful, happy, having a good time, you compound that, that will work for you in a, in a really powerful way. So that's one side of it. Second side of it, and I don't know if this has had the effect on you, but being a beginner at something again, like I've forgotten how enjoyable it is to like learn and grow yourself personally. And I, I realize, right, like golf, it's, it's like hitting a ball in a hole, right? It's perceivably like dumb. But what a brilliant thing to grow and develop yourself personally. And then that absolutely shows up in the rest of your life as well. Like a personal growth thing has been a really massive part of this one. I agree. It's just so funny how our two different ways of business has reflected itself in our golf game. It's a beautiful thing. All right, let's power on. Next next section we've got here is our lessons of the year. I'll let you lead this one off. Biggest lesson of the year. All right, so there is one massive one and it's become more apparent through, and you touched on the fact that there were quite a few business owners that we knew that were having a difficult time. Difficult, imploded. Literally imploded. Um, and you speak about how like on the golf course, we talk about quite a lot of business ideas, reasons why and we really try to solve the world's problems. One of the biggest lessons that I really hit on and was reminded of was the idea of how you play business uh, in my view, it's like 80% lower risk slash where you know it's like almost a known outcome where it's if I continue to do this from a leads, this from a sales, this from a delivery, I should be able to get these results. And having that as a foundational base to then build off on for the final 20% of effort. So think of how do I retain X amount of revenue every single month? So if you're making 50 grand revenue, how do I retain $50,000 worth of revenue a, a month? And then how do I put 20% of effort into growing that? Instead of what we see regularly is it's almost like people want to push 80% of everything back in to try and get huge outside results and there's only 20% of a known result. And it's been a really interesting lesson that I just continually see over and over and over again this year is sort of that idea of having a stronger and larger foundational base. I love this point. I love it so much. And I want to articulate it in a different way just to make sure this point is clear. It's like if you're the person that never does anything new, never innovates, never does anything, it's almost like your business just goes into decline through complacency. It's completely. And we see it, right? People rest on their laurels. They don't learn anything new. They don't try anything new with acquisition, whatever it is. They stay the same. And then just over time, it's just like the yellow pages just... Um, and then conversely is you've got people that are just like swinging for the fence too hard and rolling the chips in too many times. And as one thing goes wrong, the impacts are massive. Like there's no safety net at all to grow from. So like the idea of that being a balance, it's not one or the other. 
and uh, even your ratio, I think, of 80-20 is like a great starting point for a lot of people. H- a huge fan of. This is something I'm stealing. I want to pretend this is my point as well. Yeah, and actually, I like you 100% because if you went to your point, 100% complete risk off and like you didn't innovate, didn't change, I agree. You're going to like the other pages. And if you went even 50-50, I think it's way too much. All right, because it's like 50% of your time is getting consumed with so much innovation and change. And every time we try to do a project of innovation and change, Charlie, it never is perfect. There's always problems with it. It has to be changed. It has to require a little bit of massaging, tender love and care before it becomes a constant or before it becomes the new normal. And it's like if you just have too much of that uncertainty, it's it's going to be a bad time for everybody. And so it's almost like a, a realignment that I consistently see myself going back to, even in our ad agency, is like how do I consistently come back to this 80% of consistency, this 80% of, right, let's continue doing the right things the right way and let's continue to innovate with that final 20%. Huge point. Love that. Love that in a big way. The, the lesson, the big, the big overarching lesson to 2023, there's so much to that, but I am curious of what, your, what yours is. Yeah, I, I'm going to go to this one here. It's like number one, and I have to really link this to the rest of the episode is here is like how people react to events in business is the difference, right? So we've spoken about one already where it's like, I've seen a couple of businesses collapse around me. I reacted into that in a defensive way. And then that led onto a whole bunch of knock-on effects where if I'd have reacted to that differently, there would have been a very different effect that came into it. So a huge lesson for me across this year, and I've seen this not just in myself but in many, many people, is that when certain things happen, how you react to them and how you decide to show up is the difference from there. It's not the event that is the thing that happened. We That's the story. It's our reactions that we need to come in control of. So, I mean, a smarter way just to use this one here again is like when these two businesses collapsed, if I had to go on around and look for 10 businesses that were succeeding in that time, my perspective would have been, well, two out of 10 did poorly. There was plenty of people winning at that time. But I chose to see that as two have failed, they've all got to be failing. And I reacted in that way because of it. So I think that's a huge lesson for me in like making sure that I'm constructing the right narratives and in how I'm showing up for business. Now, very fortunately, like I haven't, I haven't done damage because of this. I want to make it really clear is like all that happened is I shifted to a more defensive mode. I built up cash reserves. I I prepared for if the world's going to end is that I'm going to be in a position to take advantage of it, which isn't a bad place to be. But I look at it and go, I could have been much more aggressive towards wealth goals or business goals or with hiring and seen a very, very different result. That's um, one of my huge lessons of the year. I think is a huge one. Yeah, I think the interesting layer to that as well is that from a negative event, you almost can look for confirmation bias. It's like you will start ignoring the information that actually contradicts the perception that you have. That's what I did. It's like you sit there and you're just like, yeah, it's like, see, everybody else is seeing the same thing. See, everybody else is going through the exact same, even though there's like 98% of the information is like, well, no, actually, it's different. (laughs) But you've just gone down that little rabbit hole where it's validated that you are not the problem. It's like something else. It's like, oh, whatever decision you've made is now the right one because you've selected to be around that. It's just so much there. Unfortunately, what I did here, and I cook, when we get to this uh, idea, right, it's like uh, I'll use an extreme here. So you've got Robert Kiyosaki, dead is the best thing in the world. Like as much as you can get, you should just be getting debt. And then you've got uh, Dave Ramsey, which is like debt's the worst. 
you shouldn't have any debt at all. So you've got these really two polarising camps and I want you to think of it in the idea that in this example, I went from being Robert Kiyosaki to more like Dave Ramsey and it's like, but I'm half still Robert Kiyosaki. And when you dance in both camps of trying to be polarising views, like try and be a vegan and a carnivore at the same time, right? It's like leads to indecision, it leads to uncertainty. Like there's a whole bunch that can come from it if you're not in that way inclined. So um, a huge pickup in how I play it from there, but I won't keep rambling on at this point. One other lesson I really look at from this year is this like return on effort. So did well, great year in business. We did well this year. I'm not going to hide the fact we had a successful year. I think um, if anything, I'm proud of it. But the thing I look at as well is that uh, I certainly didn't do as much investing this year as I did business. I did a lot of business. A lot of my time and effort was on business. I didn't do as much on property or investing yet property performed for me in a big way. So a huge lesson I'm taking into this year is just like the effect of assets that compound is a miraculous thing again. It's so interesting you bring that up. And I remember I was talking to you about this the other week. It's just how illogical the law of compounding is. Like we we talk about the idea of compounding, but our brains don't think in that way. Like every time you think about growth, it's just like a linear line or like this little line that kind of goes up. And it's like, no, like compounding is just erratic that the the way the brain processes information is it does not understand <laughs> the actual idea of compounding until to your point, you see it and you look at it and you go, oh wait, no, I am at this huge hockey stick moment of where compounding is just outsized returns and I'll continue to see that repetitively depending on obviously what happens in in the market. But it is a point where I always have to be reminded of it (laughs) because I just always think of it like a linear line. Well, I'll call it out, right? I don't hide on this show at all, but it's like I have over 5 million in property, over, right? And I look at that and go, in the markets I'm in and the numbers that are coming across here, it's looking like it's going to be at like an 8 or 9% return on average. Now, noting might be 10 because we've got some really great properties that have done incredibly well this year. Are you doing the math on that? Like if it did 10%, that's half a mil. Like it's and in a, uh, what is it? A tax-deferred environment where you only pay the tax on that when you sell it. And I think that to have that type of force in your life is a must. People need to have things compounding for them in the background. They really do. Not financial advice. Yeah, definitely not financial advice. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going gonna, gonna to spin this around. I'm curious, did you make any fuck-ups this year? None. No, several. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a few here. I'll give you a few. Uh, throughout this episode, I'm not going to repeat the story. Absolutely. Poor judgment on economy. That was a fuck up. Poor judgment. I thought things were going to turn. They did not. That was a mistake. So I'll, I'll own that one there. And the real lesson in that is playing too defensive. Like really playing it way too defensive like the world was going to end uh, for a brief period of time. That wasn't the whole year. Um, and to be clear, it wasn't recently. It was like much earlier in the year. I've uh, come good on that well and truly. And then the last one I'll put in here is like just not being clear on my beliefs. Like do I believe in debt or do I not believe in debt? Do I think the inflation thing is going to happen or do I think being debt-free is the way to do it? And that's just an example for people where it's like when we're unclear on our beliefs, it makes it very hard to make good decisions. It really does. But they were my fuck-ups of the year. I love that belief one. Dude, I, I keep finding myself repeating to people. It's like, just have an opinion. Like, <laughs> it's just a, don't just rehash whatever else. It's like, well, today I believe that 
I don't know, property is a really good investment, but then like you watch a video and then tomorrow it's like, nah, property's not good. And then you watch another video and be like, yeah, property's great. And it's like, it's almost like going with the wind. <laughs> yeah, call your shot. If Merrill over here is going to pick ad agency and execute it, right? If you're going to be a property guy, be a property guy. If you're going to be a share person, be a share person. Like you got to back it. You can't, if you flip flop from vegan and carnivore every week, you're going to get the worst results of both. Right, and I do respect the carnivores to go in there and to say, "Oh, I'm going to eat his meat," and then just do it. Up, up good on you. Clear on your beliefs. <laughs> Massive dino burgers. Uh, interesting, dude. Okay. It's so interesting how there's like an underlying theme around fuck ups, right? And there you go. We we will just forever now swear on this podcast. Sure, I like how the little heading on the document even says fuck ups. So for me. One of them was, and I summarize it with the idea of being half pregnant, right? And this goes back, I don't remember where I got it from, which is like, you, you can't be half pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. Like, don't sort of sit in the middle line. And I was half pregnant on buying a principal place of residency for Hazel and I, where it was, if if the week had done well, I was able to look on realestate.com and then see some properties that would go to an open for inspection, if it was a busy week, what I would do is I would go to the other side and actually try and look at properties. And there you go. I got a thumbs up going. On. I'm just going to redo that again. Hang on. No, no. Roll through. It worked fine. Hope you're fine, man. Keep going. And so, but then if it was a busy week, what would happen is I would not look at real estate and I would not go to open for inspections and then I would not go to auctions. And guess what, Charlie? I didn't end up with a house. <laughs> Can I ask you a question on that? I really want to dig a little bit deeper here because I think there's a clear distinction on this of going, is this a confidence thing where it's like business is going well, I feel like I can buy a PPR or is this a a workload thing and going, well, I'm just so busy, I can't get to this. Is the plate too full? Correct priority and sequencing. That's exactly what it was. It's like if it was as big of a priority for myself, it would have been at the top of the list, right? But it wasn't. And so because I wasn't as bought into it of the outcome of it as it was in like business, for example, it was it was what got the scraps. It was what got the end. And then I made a decision to go and get a buyer's agent to help us purchase who did really well. But when I got busy again, I would not ping the buyer's agent and I wouldn't look at things that they'd sent me. And so then again, it just got to this point of me just not showing up in the way that I had perceived at the start of the year when I said, this is a goal for me for 2023. And so like a big fuck up for me is uh, potentially is biting off too much that I can chew, but also not just hitting hard and going straight down that path of saying, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to allocate the time appropriately in order to achieve it. And what is the outcome going to be next year? You put less things on your plate? Correct. Or I put, better resources in play. Like what I really should have done upon reflection is just put the buyer's agent in place. Go on, I'm going to go buy a principal place of residency, buyer's agent's in place. You got two months, three months, let's lock it in and get someone else to do it for me. See, I love that because it's a committal nature to using an external service. So when you use a buyer's agent to do a property, you got to pay up your buyer's agent fee, which lock, kind of locks you into doing it. It's like I've made a decision where especially in Melbourne real estate, right, when you're in that cycle of going to open homes, trying to work out auctions, trying to get inspections done, it's very easy to fall off. So I love it when you can resource something uh, preferably with a commitment because it becomes much more, much more certain. So I like that. I really like that. 
Totally. And then uh, another another fuck up that we've spoken about before is the idea that tra- traveling for scalability in business is like peas in a pod goes hand to hand, Charlie. No, it's the <laughs> it is the idea that as you have got a significantly scaling agency trying to also be highly attentive to a holiday or time away and doing both actually means that you just show up worse in both. There's a whole bunch of nomads out there just angry right now. I was a digital nomad there before. But there is a slight difference to that because they're like they're staying in the one location. Yeah, where it's like if you're trying to go out and see sites every single day and then you're trying to support clients at night, like you're just doing two things at 50% as opposed to one thing at 100%. And it's not that you can't do them both, but you just need to acknowledge the things that you have to forgive at the same time. So, for example, in myself, when I was traveling uh, through like Europe, it was great. I'm sacrificing sleep to make sure that I can support the Australian time zone and the Australian hours so that the business is continuing to go. Now, I had a great experience across both of them, but to believe that there wasn't an impact to a significantly scaling agency, I'd be lying to myself. And I think that if I had my time again, it would have just been, all right, Charlie, we're going we're gonna to hold steady where we are. I'm going to go and travel for a bit and then we're going to go scale on the way back as opposed to let's continue scaling and do same, both at the same time. It's a difficult thing. And some people have businesses that require travel, right? So imagine you're um, doing what you're doing but you're speaking on stages around the world. Then really difficult. Man, this is, is such an interesting topic. I think you've got to acknowledge, right, if you if you are locked in your office and not that you're locked, but it, let's say you've got a very consistent routine in your home life, your ability to go harder in business is definitely there because you're not using as much brain power around thinking or managing other things, whether that's time zones, flights, right, delays, currency exchanges. So when your home life is boring, I think it's easier to scale a business. I really do because you can put so much more brain power into it. Now, that's not to say you can't travel and uh, grow a business or do those things. I just think you have to look at like that is the optimal environment for going aggressive with growth is having consistency at home. The The converse of that though is like, I'm not sure it's necessarily attainable everyone not to have events come up in life. And it's not just travel, right? It's like, uh, sure, travel is one of them, but like things go wrong, life happens. So being in a position where you can slow things down or have some preparedness to it definitely plays a role here as well. Does this mean you're going to do a lot more travel next year? Yeah, let's load it up. Let's go. Woo. <laughs> no, no, dude. You and I have got way too much on the cards over the next couple of months. Like we have got the deck stacked. I know what, I know what I'm doing. As do I, and I will not be doing much travel next year. Now, um, we still have a few points on this sheet here. However, we are running long already. So what I'm going to say here, like let's wrap this one up and we will do another episode just some of the best performers of the year with content and our favorite podcasts and stuff. We'll come back to that because uh, some really important stuff in there, but that needs some room. I'll concur. I'll let you, I'll let you have this one. So if you're listening to this and you want to be part of the next episode or listen or join in, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email and Charlie will send you an email and notify you the second it comes out. <laughs> Just want to say thank you and we'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.